This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Smucker's Uncrustables. I love a food hack. Check out Uncrustables, the best part of the sandwich. It's a round, crimped sandwich made with soft, pillowy bread filled with peanut butter and jelly. The best part is you simply freeze and thaw them, pop them straight from the freezer into a lunchbox for less work on a busy morning. You'll find Smucker's Uncrustables in the freezer aisle. Learn more at Uncrustables.com. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Doma Media. Thank you to Yola Tango, as always, for the intro music. Wanted to start off the top of this podcast by talking about pies in this holiday season. Yes, I have a tendency to talk a little bit shit about food things, things that get people hot and bothered, food takes. And on social media, I've certainly had a tendency to poke and prod, be a little bit of a gadfly. I don't like to think that I'm trolling, but yeah, you could probably say I'm trolling pie lovers, particularly pumpkin pie. And I just don't understand it. I don't love it. If someone made it for me, of course, I'm going to eat it. Like anything, if someone lovingly made something, I'm going to eat it. But it's not something I go out of my way to eat. If I do eat it, I'm going to eat around the pumpkin filling, the sweet, spicy gourd filling and eat the crust or the whipped cream. And no one eats pumpkin pie year round. It's only this holiday season. When's the last time you saw pumpkin pie year-round? Exactly. It's just something that doesn't make any sense to me. And remember, when you are going through Halloween season, that's what a pumpkin's for. A jack-o'-lantern or some kind of fall, late fall decoration. It's not something like, mmm, that's going to be delicious. Like when I look at an acorn squash or butternut squash, I'm like, there are things that I can do with this. Never. With the exception of, say, pumpkin seeds, am I looking at a pumpkin and like, that's going to be delicious? I mean, like, maybe the only way a pumpkin deserves to exist in the food world is in a spicy pumpkin latte, right? But I just, no, I'm not a pumpkin pie fan. I know it makes people mad. I'm glad I pushed those buttons because I just want people to realize you can like it. You just can't say it's objectively delicious. That's just my opinion. That being said, I also love pecan pie when I remove the pecans. I love pecans in and of itself, but like, man, usually each slice has like 15 pecans. It's too much. The pecan ratio is too much. I mean, maybe they can like desiccate it and put like a powder on top. Maybe that would be a way to do it, but I just don't want the whole chunks. So yes, there's the Southern chest pie. Christina Tosi's made her milk bar pie, the variation of the chess pie, which is delicious, and I love. So I love pecan pies. I just, I don't think I've ever had a holiday meal where someone's made some version of a pecanless pecan pie. That is something I can get behind. And in general, the pie crust is what gets, I'm not a pie expert. We should talk to Evan Kleiman of KCRW. She's a pie expert. She makes insane things. Lisa Donovan, who's been on this podcast, you should buy her book, Our Lady of Perpetual Hunger. She makes insane pie crusts. Pie crust to me is the equivalent of great sushi shari, shari being the rice, netta being the fish, and 
Rice is what makes great sushi. And for pie, whether it's savory or sweet, it's the pie crust. So a great pie crust can save a pumpkin pie, can make a pecanless pecan pie excellent. And I was trying to think, when is there a pie that I miss, that I wish was a holiday pie, right? And my go-to pie during the holiday season is an apple pie. It's like vanilla ice cream. Usually, you know, warm apple pie with vanilla ice cream. It's because it doesn't really offend anybody. It's delicious. You know, even a shitty apple pie can be good. A great apple pie can be transcendent. But I was trying to think, what would be the best pie? Even a shitty version with a shitty crust could be great. And a pie that I wish was year-round. And I think it is the key lime pie. And I'm going to start a war, I realize. But I think the key lime pie should become American sort of culinary tradition moving forward. And even the nuclear green key lime pies with that lime green coloring and a shitty graham cracker crust can be delicious. I don't think I've ever had a bad key lime pie. You know, it's even more pronounced to me than a lemon meringue pie. Yes, a lemon meringue pie can be great, but it doesn't have that acidity, that that flavor that I can't get anywhere else. And a lot of these key lime pies aren't even made with key limes, which is a very different flavor, but a really great key lime pie, even if it's made with lime juice and food coloring, to me is just a flavor that I can't get enough of. And when it's done right with a great pie crust, because a, a bad key lime pie is still good to me. A great key lime pie for me is a pie that I can eat year round. And I know that there are a lot of places that make key lime pie. And I know that Joe Stone Crab House might be one of the most overrated restaurants in South Beach. Yes, they have crabs, stone crabs, which are great. And yes, they have those hash browns, blah, 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 blah. But I always like the key lime pie at Joe Stone's more than anything else. And going there is more of an experience like Peter Luger's than it is about anything else. I'm not a key lime pie expert. I I haven't grown up eating it, but it's the pie that I wish I could eat more of. And I'm just throwing it out there that maybe we should be making more key lime pies because I could imagine key lime pie being a pie that is eaten not just the holiday season, but year round. And that's what I wanted to talk about today. I can imagine people being very upset. I can imagine the comments already saying like, no, fuck that. It's lemon. No, no, no. It's chocolate mousse pie or whatever. I don't even know the names of the pies. I love fruit pies when they're in season. I do. But there's something about having key lime pie for me, that acidity, that sweetness, it just is balanced. And you got to have great whipped cream on that too. And whipped cream and pie is just like peanut butter and jelly. It's almost like you have to have it. Or some kind of ice cream, which obviously is cream-based too. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Don't get angry. I'm not going to make fun of spicy, sweet gourd pie anymore because it doesn't exist in my world. I am joined with Isaac Lee, who's based in Korea right now, and Chris Ying, who is calling from Sebastopol. California, which is not well-known marijuana capital of, of America. Oh, <laughs> and there's also Sevastopol in Ukraine, which I am mm. not. I'm not there. And it is not the weed capital of Ukraine. But yeah, <laughs> a lot of weed here. A lot of weed here. I have gone wild boar hunting in Sebastopol. 
Is that true? Hmm. I have. Holy cow. Yes. No idea. I shot dirt. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get into, we're going to do a full length, my opinions fact here. I, I, uh, it will have been a week by the time this airs, but I watched your turn, your your second episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire last night, and I'm I will say, I cried big old salty tears, man. I, wow. I cried big salty tears. You when did you not cry. I cried. I fucking I wept. I wept big old salty ones that I tasted with my own mouth uh, when you won a million fucking dollars for Southern Smoke, man. I mean, holy shit! And I know we've talked about it a little bit, but. You got to be proud, right? I know, Chang, you're not, you're not like a, you don't take pride in achievements, but come on, this has got to be, you've been proud of this one. It's been really hard for me to comprehend that it happened. And there's been a crazy press junket thing. Like I didn't realize how much people wanted to know about this or to read about it or to learn about it. So no, I'm a little bit disbelief and I have a, a narcissistic tendency to believe I'm in somewhat of a, like a Truman show schizophrenic reality. <laughs> <laughs> and for the most part, I've realized, and I told my shrink this, this only like adds to the, the theory that everything's staged in my life because there's no way I should have won something like this. It's impossible. And how lucky it was. I mean, sheer luck, the way the questions... First of all, it's illegal for any rigging. Yep. It really is Ill- illegal. Trust Which- us, because Chris and I are making shows <laughs> for Hulu. And we know this because we're making game shows and we thought we could WWF this thing. And they're like, no, you'll go to jail. I was like, okay, we're definitely yeah. not doing that. 85% so I know- of our questions whenever we're talking to our production people is like, but we can rig this, right? <laughs> They're like, no, <laughs> stop yeah, asking. Rigging. We, can, we can alter the results like it's WWF, right? But you can't. So I know that this show has nothing. Yes, I'm friends with Jimmy. I didn't know anything and they can't do anything. It was sheer fucking luck. And that's what makes me, it's so hard for me to comprehend that it happened, that it's easier for me to believe that it was all staged. Well, it wasn't mm-hmm. just luck. You also had Alan and Mina, who are extremely smart people, helping you out here. Like it was, it was strategic and you set yourself up for a possible win and you won. Well, a bunch of them were very difficult. I think you asked questions on all the ones I definitely had no idea. You asked, you went for the lifeline on the same ones. I thought that last question was very hard. Which president, you know, was the first to have electricity in the White House? I thought that was damn near impossible. I think you were lucky one time when you got the fucking how do Japanese people celebrate Christmas one was insane. That was, that was really lucky. <laughs> but you were, you, the thing is like, I mean, Chang, you're always going to be self-effacing here, but like, as you were talking each of them out, I was like, damn, this this guy's fucking smart, man. <laughs> Dave's got it, man. Dave's got it. I don't know. I, I the other the other time I really cried after the thing was I watched Southern Smoke on their Instagram. They posted, you know, a video of them all watching you on Millionaire with a million dollars on the line and just like the pure joy Chris Shepard had and everybody around him when you won, man. I was I was uh I'm misting up thinking about it right now. It was pretty awesome, Chang. Well and completely surreal. Totally insane and surreal. And uh, I'm literally, it happened over the summer. And I've, there have been moments where I'd wake up and be like, did that fucking happen? I'm still in disbelief. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard because like, I don't feel like I did anything either. This is like, you're seeing my own neuroses come out in, in full effect. Right. But uh, when I saw him, uh, 
watching me go for it myself was like, wow, I am fucking an insane person. <laughs> I'm really insane because there's no reason why I should go for it. And I, I misunderstood what, what Jimmy was saying, because if I knew that no celebrity has ever actually tried to answer the question, I would not have done it. I misinterpreted or misunderstood. I thought Norm MacDonald got it, the answer wrong. I've never seen that episode that he tried to answer the million dollar question. He got it wrong. I misunderstood that. If I understood that he didn't even try, I don't know if I would have done it because like, I don't want to be the only asshole that tried to answer and got it wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The blow would have been softened because I was like, oh, at least me and Norm MacDonald tried to answer and we got it wrong. <laughs> and then there was a brief moment and remember this very clearly why I decided to go for it in terms of how I was calculating things. If I got it wrong, it would be an embarrassment. But the reason I got it wrong was I needed to show the, the dire times that the restaurant an issue was in and that mm-hmm. people would talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. That by going forward and failing, I needed to show just how desperate the industry was to take care of the people that work in it. And that was genuinely, like, I made that decision in, like, in that moment, like, and then fuck it, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't get to verbalize everything, but I think it's like, you could see it in my head, what I was going through. I was like, fuck it. I'm embarrassed. I'll be shamed if I get it wrong. And people will always be like, there goes the loser. But if I lost for the reason of going for it, then I think it was a positive. So all the attention that was going to be raised to Southern Smoke, which helps hospitality workers in financial need, or if they're distressed with actual cash on a national level, that would have been the positive, right? Because it would have been like, oh, that's why he did it. At least that's what I thought. So I said, fuck it, let's just go for it. Yeah, yeah. I think you've said since then, you know, it's just your Asian gambling gene, but I think that you're right, man. Like the, the point is, 32,000 is not enough for what the restaurant industry right, needs right now. $500,000 is not enough. A million dollars isn't enough. Like that's But the it was point. symbolically what it was going to represent. You know, yeah. the only thing that's worth it is to, is to go all out right now to save this industry. So congratulations again, man. I, I, I'm, I'm so proud of you, man. That was it's such, a, such a cool fucking victory. I, I couldn't be happier. Well, it's so weird. I, I can't believe. I still can't. It's just fucking weird. <laughs> Just so weird. So it was very weird seeing you there too. Yeah, man. Um, all right. So we've got a full length. My opinion is fact. We've eaten up some time, but uh, can we boot up that supercomputer, Isaac? Yeah, sure thing. I, f- I forgot about the whole supercomputer bit. It's been it's been a while <laughs> since I even like inserted the sound effect, being like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that was the millionaire sound. Actually, right, 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 right. I should I should just replace it. Maybe I can get licensing from ABC. Um, <laughs> Let's start off with the easy one. Pancakes, sweet or savory? Mm. I'm a savory pancake person. People like pancakes. I think it could be a dessert. I, If I eat pancakes at all, it's got to be with something savory. But if I exclude that at all, think about all the different kinds of pancakes that are savory. You can, you're talking about Bing in China. And uh, what's the, the crepe Bing? That's filled Bing. With- Danbing, which is yeah. fucking the most insane way of cooking anything. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's like it's like everything you're not supposed to do from a Western perspective is how you make the Danbing. Like when I first saw it in China, I was like, what the fuck is this? They have a giant crepe griddle. And let, let me let me say this. When you see a Danbing in China, you're like, people are like, oh, that's like a crepe. No, but when you see a crepe, you should be like, 
oh, that's a Danbing, right? And it's not like a crepe griddle. So I'm not trying to piss anybody off. I don't know the name of the griddle, but it's like this giant circular griddle that you see crepes being cooked on, but I'm sure the Chinese version is much older and original. I see that it's usually on the street or some little cubby hole and they crack an egg straight on the fucking griddle mm-hmm. first. And then they pop the egg yolk and they swirl it around and then they add some scallions, some bean sprouts, maybe some ham. And you're like, okay. And they hammer the shit out of it. And then they pour the batter on top. And then <laughs> they flip it over. And then they put a crunchy yutao. What's the name of the Yo-tow. bread? Yeah, like Yo-tow. the, the cruller. Yeah. Cruller. And then hoisin sauce and a few other things and cilantro and maybe some peanuts. And then they wrap it into a square instead of a circle. <laughs> and then they yeah. chop it in half and serve it like a, a like it's like a burrito. It's the most <laughs> insane fucking thing. And that I consider a savory pancake. I'd also consider mushu pork a savory pancake. I'd also mm. consider Peking duck a savory pancake. Scallion pancakes. Yeah. Savory pancakes, by and large, they can do it all. With the exception of maybe like play the paint in, in basketball. Fine. <laughs> That's the one thing savory pancakes can't the Savory do. pancake is basically Andre Drummond. I mean, a sweet, a sweet <laughs> pancake is basically Andre Drummond, you know? Uh, <laughs> what an incredible comparison. Yeah, it's pretty apt, right? It's a, it's yeah. a Andre Drummond. It does and, one thing. Um, it does one thing. <laughs> it does one thing. Yeah. Right? It's not even an Andre Drummond. Sometimes a savory pancake is just a Tristan Thompson. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like you need you need a solid 18 minutes and six fouls. That's what it does. (laughs) Six fouls, six rebounds, maybe a block. Strong line. But at what at some point in time, Tristan Thompson was very good in an all-star and got a, you know, like a $200 million contract. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so Sweet Pancakes had their time. Yeah, it was yeah. a different game then. I don't think he ever was an all-star, but yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. It, you know, uh, you know, beauty's an eye of the beholder. Some people, some general managers are like, ooh, Tristan Thompson. Ooh, Andre Drummond. Mm. Like, yes, I could build a team around that. And everyone else is like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I think that... Uh... <laughs> I mean, you know, when you see on TV, you see in a cartoon like a big stack of Andre Drummond's piping hot with butter, a pat of butter on top, and you know, syrup coming down the side. It a looks stack good. Of but it's Andre never, it, doesn't, it never lives up to that. Like the savory pancake always exceeds expectation. Yeah. Let me tell you the best, and again, sorry for all the people that are not basketball or sports fans, because I live in a world of analogies. The best thing a sweet pancake can do is to evolve and to do this sweet and savory. And you can become mm. a Brooke Lopez. Mm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm. Okay. You can redefine your career by learning to shoot the three-point shot. Right, right. And that's what Brooke Lopez has done. I think three, four years ago, nobody thought he'd have a fucking amazing career. Well, we thought his career would be over. But lo and behold, that fucking guy can shoot the hell out of the three-point shot. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think you can do. If, if you're a sweet pancake person or if you're just an inanimate object of being a sweet pancake, you gotta, you gotta be like, dude, put some spicy sausage in. <laughs> yeah. Work on Give your, me some work salty on your three bacon. point. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your, what's your take? So Andre Drummond adapting his game would be like the McGriddle where he's been repurposed into a new system where he's the, the bread of a breakfast sandwich. Yeah. The maple syrup kissed pancake. No, no, the, the McGriddle really is Brooke Lopez. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right now, Andre Drummond, or let's just say Roy Hibbert, right? Mm. Sort of the genesis of the last center is equivalent of the, the McDonald's pancake with the fake butter and the mm. fake hot syrup, which when I, up, when, when I grew up, when I grew up, that was the fucking amazing. Yeah. Right. right. But the time now, passed that by. Now I'm like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> they figured out verticality. <laughs> you and all the NBA GMs are like, no, <laughs> no, I don't want that. <laughs> you got to diversify. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's, what's, what else we got here, Isaac? All right, moving on here. I just want to note that I thought this was going to be like a yes or no question. And then you just took us on a whole journey of, of going to China. <laughs> and then he talked about crepes. And then he talked about Andre Drummond. But listen, Isaac, did you like it? Did you like it? I, liked, you like it? It? I liked it. And I think this is emblematic of, of, of why you have your own podcast, Dave Ching. There's no uh, such thing as a simple question. No such thing as a simple question for Dave. Let's do an over under here. Extra virgin olive oil. E-V-O-O as they call it, overrated or underrated? Mm. Chris? I was going to say, I was going to say that extra virgin olive oil is overrated because I find myself using it less and less. Mm. I think there was a period in the early 2000s in like peak food TV where extra virgin olive oil became known to most people as a thing. You know, coinciding with Italian food and regional Italian food becoming like the the first layer of foodie cred, like extra virgin olive oil was like super important to to have in your kitchen. I don't use it. I mean, I cook so much Asian food and I don't ever use extra virgin olive oil. But I will say this. My mother-in-law here in, in Sebastopol has some olive trees and they yielded olives for the first time Ooh. this year. And she tried to make extra virgin olive oil. And as I watched her and did not help her, for hours pitting olives and trying to cre- and try to yield one tablespoon of extra virgin olive oil. I was like, God damn, this is a hard product to make. So yeah. underrated for that reason. Overrated as an ingredient. Underrated for something that uh, requires a ton of fucking effort to make. Chang. I have a lot of mixed feelings about this, mainly because I'm always jealous of the acceptance of olive oil. Growing up, it's been my benchmark for anything that is, quote unquote, the ethnic food aisle. Because literally growing up, there was olive oil and pomace oil. Pomace oil is basically motor oil. (laughs) (laughs) And there was no difference of first pressing, cold pressed, extra virgin, blah, blah, blah. This is all the past 30 years. And now you have whole aisles dedicated to olive oil. So I, I have a lot of jealousy at the love of olive oil, the health benefits, the Mediterranean diet, the fact that Italian food and the food of the Mediterranean is so beloved, it's delicious. I think what's overrated is the term extra virgin and the term organic because they're not all the same. And what I think is problematic is the name extra virgin is overrated because it's a catch-all. And... Uh Not all organic olive oils are good. In fact, a lot of them are shit. And not all extra virgin olive oils that are come in a fancy bottles are good. Some good ones are in cans. And some of them are finishing oils. And what is overrated is when chefs and recipe books say, oh, you got to fry it in extra virgin olive oil. You got to, everything's got to be extra virgin olive oil. That to me is fucking bullshit and overrated. Mm. I love olive oil. I cook al- almost all of my food in it with the exception of now that Momofuku is not a plug. We're getting into 
finally getting into sesame oil. I've always long loved <sighs> sesame oil growing up, but getting access to it has been hard because we don't have that. I am mm-hmm. 100% in the, the camp that sesame oil, I'm trying my best to make sesame oil this generation's olive oil. When I say this generation, I want this to be for Asian Americans mm-hmm. and to have that wider approach. And I think sesame oil is delicious, virgin. It has a high smoke point. And that's another thing, extra virgin olive oil. People may not realize, but I helped teach a class at Harvard <laughs> for four years, <laughs> believe it or not. And the problem with using a beautiful olive oil is that the mere fact of cooking it, you're going to burn off a lot of the complex volatile compounds, compounds, volatile compounds. And yeah, you'll get some of that fragrance, but it like sort of defeats the purpose. So mm-hmm. when I cook with olive oil, I'm looking for something that is moderately priced, that has sort of the health benefits, but I'm not looking for the flavor. I want something that's sort of neutral. And the good thing about sesame oil to me that hasn't been toasted, it has a high smoke point and it tastes neutral. Rice bran oil is also the same, but it's harder to get. And even the toasted variety is great. So I think in terms of an analogy, for sesame oil, you can get the same sort of vertical sort of buckets that you can get out of extra virgin olive oil, regular olive oil, organic, whatever. And that's all is I think it's my problem with extra virgin olive oil is that it's not really understood and companies that sell it sell a marketing, it's a marketing ploy. And because of that, there are some really great producers out there and really amazing small batch organic or not organic because they don't have that certification, growers and producers of olive oil, they never get the light. Or they're seeing like, oh, that's just too expensive because some of the really good olive oil is fucking expensive. And some of the really, really expensive olive oil is total fucking shit. Mm-hmm. So I just feel that there needs to be a lot more sort of understanding and analysis of the olive oil world. Yeah. I mean, let me let me correct what I said. And like, I I use olive oil to saute vegetables, all that kind of stuff. I think I don't use it for instances where you where the flavor of olive oil needs to shine through. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. use it in, in my cooking that much. But I think Chang, what you're saying is really interesting because it's simultaneously this kind of badge that olive oil gets to wear. It's extra virgin, and yet people don't really understand it and don't understand like the that that doesn't indicate great quality. It's it's the equivalent of calling something deluxe. <laughs> Right. Right. It can be deluxe and be shitty. And I think I I totally hear you on the point of, you know, comparison with Asian ingredients where it's just says nobody ever says like buy actual first press show you for this dish. Nobody says buy like proper actual fermented soy sauce as opposed to caramel colored salt water. And that's the problem, right? Like Asian ingredients, which have just as much sort of artisanship and craftsmanship and producing them don't get that same recognition as like there's extra virgin soy sauce there's there's any equivalent of that so i mean that's that's what i'm excited about moving forward but i, I totally hear you Chang. just be wary of all the marketing yeah the buzzwords mm-hmm. cool uh, i'm glad moving. we got to two questions and we've done 30 <laughs> minutes i'm like i'm trying to pick questions that you could we could just like hit and then move on with but that's certainly not what's happening here um let's see Breakfast in bed, overrated or underrated? It is only good in hotels. Mm. (laughs) And when you're trying to impress your mom, when you're like 10 years old on Mother's Day, um, (laughs) I will never just (laughs) 
<laughs> eating in your fucking bed is disgusting. It's so yes. gross, man. Gross. As a, as a father of children who eat in my fucking bed all the time, it is fucking gross. <laughs> <laughs> and, and besides that, I mean, I'm I'm totally with you, Chang. One of the reasons why it's a hotel makes sense is it's like I don't got to clean this bed at least. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know it's going to be washed and whatever, and, I, and you know you want to not be a fucking lunatic, but <laughs> like there are certain things in bed or just the things I don't understand. This is going to be way off topic, but I view eating food in bed to the same degree of people that wear shoes on their bed. You know, like they lay down <laughs> in the bed with shoes on. I'm like, what are you fucking doing, you man? Sleep there, man. <laughs> what are you doing? No, it's like, I mean, Isaac, I'd rather you ask me that question. It's like, Dave, do you eat a hamburger while taking a shit? <laughs> That's like the same way I'm looking at I'm eating in bed. I'm like, are you fucking uh, out of your mind? So yeah. no. I mean, besides, <laughs> besides that, like. There's no breakfast foods I want to that are like I can eat in bed. Like, what can you eat? Like, anything you want to eat for breakfast, I can't eat that laying and down. The what the fucking fuck are you talking breakfast, about? Mm-hmm. that breakfast tray? Like, no, <laughs> no, no. First of all, you can't just buy a breakfast tray. The headboard has to be a certain angle. You yep. need pillows. The whole you need thing. like a you need like an army of throw pillows so you can actually like sit up and not yeah. You, and have then your you might as well be sitting. Up. You know where else you can sit up? You can sit up at a table. At a table <laughs> with yeah. a chair. Yeah. You know. Also, I, I'm one of the clumsiest motherfuckers anyone's ever met. <laughs> I spill on average at least two or three times. Just yesterday alone, it's not Hugo's fault. That something spills. It's always my fault. I'll just knock something over. <laughs> Who's more clumsy, you or your one-year-old Me. son? I, I, I mean, like, I am such an idiot. So why would I want to? If I can't even keep things on the table, food, yeah. or mm. on my plate at a table, what makes you think I have the dexterity and skill set to do it in bed? No, absolutely not. And then now I just got orange juice all over my fucking comforter. No. <laughs> That's absolutely not going to happen. So no, yeah, no, no breakfast in bed. And if anybody is a listener that says they are pro breakfast in bed, you better fucking email us. Yeah. You better tell us, I want, tell us what uh, you're eating in bed. That's so great. And why is it better in bed than in a yeah. I need to place. know. And this has to be a very serious email. And we will invite you onto this <laughs> podcast to defend your position. How about how about you send in a voice memo? You send in a voice memo. Send in a voice in, memo with an impassioned defense yeah. of breakfast in bed. To ask Dave at MajorDomeMedia.com. There's no way you can win. It's like telling me that, you know, little puppies aren't amazing. You, you just can't do it. <laughs> yes, you puppy haters, please send in an email with the voice memo attached. People just eating puppies in bed. All right, let's oh, go. Geez, that was a quick that's one. a terrible visual to leave in my head. Underrated. This episode is brought to you by Smucker's Uncrustables. I love a food hack. Check out Uncrustables, the best part of the sandwich. It's a round, crimped sandwich made with soft, pillowy bread filled with peanut butter and jelly. The best part is you simply freeze and thaw them, pop them straight from the freezer into a lunchbox for less work on a busy morning. You'll find Smucker's Uncrustables in the freezer aisle. Learn more at Uncrustables.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Look to your left, look to your right. Yep, no one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed 
guaranteed fit. It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cashback on every purchase, every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, member FDIC. Terms apply. Juicing. Overrated or underrated? I don't juice at home. I don't under... I mean, having juiced a lot in the culinary arts, Mm -hmm. the problem with juicing is the fucking pulp. You just got so much shit, and the cleanup is such a pain in the ass. Mm. So, no, I I like drinking juice, but I don't want to juice myself, personally. Mm. Okay. I was confused if we were talking about taking steroids, if we were talking about... uh, (laughs) Yes, do you advocate for the use of of performance enhancement (laughs) drugs in the sport of baseball, basketball, and football? Yes. I do. (laughs) I advocate for performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, Have you ever done a juice cleanse, Chang? Like a store-bought cleanse? Yeah. Then I ate a pizza. (laughs) (laughs) It lasted all about like a day. Uh, I don't need to spend $8.99 on lemon juice and cayenne pepper and mm, water. The master cleanse. I can do do that myself. Yeah. You know what you're going to see next? Extra cayenne pepper for (laughs) $9.99. Oh, my God. It's going to one-up itself. Extra virgin cayenne pepper. Exactly. I remember remember Andrew Knowlton telling me that his secret to keeping in shape was every time you get back from a trip, you do a juice cleanse. And I was like, that's just your way of saying you don't eat. You're starving (laughs) yourself is what it is. What are you talking about? Like, that's not a secret. I know that too. I've done a handful of juice cleanses. I I try to slim down. Um, I've tried like every diet that's ever existed in the world. And let me tell you what, like all it does is just make you super, super hungry. So in the weeks after the juice cleanse, you just subconsciously end up eating more, no matter how much you want to control it. So consciously, well, I'm <laughs> the best diet out there, the, the best diet. And it's, uh, my opinion is fact recommended tapeworm. Oh my God. <laughs> you know what? And they're delicious. So you can eat <laughs> as much as you want and you never gain any weight. Yeah, but it's painful as so hell. I'm sure some Silicon Valley bro is like, yeah, I, I've recreated the tapeworm and it just lives in your stomach and you can eat whatever you want. If they ever develop a benign tapeworm that does not hurt you, that that is not painful for you, that would be the greatest invention. Doesn't the tapeworm just get fat and heavy inside of you? And then you just- but then you have to excrete it and then it's painful as yeah. hell. All right, fair enough. I just wanted a living tapeworm always with me, digesting all right, my food. All right, moving on from that horrible visual, uh, dried herbs, overrated or underrated? Well, you know, I think in the future when the human race has been eradicated from deforestation <laughs> and global warming, uh-huh. the aliens will be able to <laughs> figure out the time frame and the different ages of households and people around the planet by looking at their spice shelves, mm-hmm. like the rings of a tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because more. most people's spice racks with dried herbs are maybe 30 plus years old. And they, they are not mummified and they, will, <laughs> they don't taste good. Mm-hmm. Good dried herbs can be great, but they lose their potency. 
It's just a matter of fact. Like, it's a very similar. If you can understand uh, when you chew gum, the more you chew it, the longer it's in your mouth. Eventually, the flavor will just dissipate to nothing. Mm-hmm. If you can understand that concept, this happens without chewing your gum at all. It just <laughs> disappears eventually and turns into dust. And most people have desiccated plant matter in a bottle, and that doesn't work. <laughs> just like cremated uh, remains of dead plants in their pantry. I, I, You know what the cruelest marketing ploy was? So obviously you're right, Chang. Obviously, dried herbs lose their potency, lose their flavor really quickly. And they were traditionally only sold in these jars that were way too big for what you needed, right? So that's why everyone has it. They bought oregano one time and they used it a little bit and then it just sat there for 15 years. But then they started, you know, at Whole Foods, they sell those little like cardboard, small size containers of dried herbs for cheaper, but they are impossible to close and store. So now you have a smaller amount of wasted and I just end up buying the same amount. Dried herbs. Fresh ones are overrated. What do you think, supercomputer? Um, I have no opinion on this. I don't really... Herbs are not part of my world, really. But what you're saying all makes sense. Like, yeah, of course. That's not true. Dry out. Marijuana is not part of your world? <laughs> One dried herb, very much part of your world. Which also gets worse after sitting around in your under your bed for, for too long. Unless you're using a um, like a vaporizer. That's true. But what do I know about that? I, I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on here. Papaya. Overrated or underrated? Only papaya I like is papaya king. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't know, you don't know. Oh, man. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Nice and short answer. Chris, if you, do you have any opinions on papaya outside of the... What am I going to do? Add to that? That was a perfect answer. Let's okay. go. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. Um... Little curveball here. Movies in 3D. Overrated or underrated? I was real into these for a while. I was, whenever they would come out, I was real into this. Like I, I would go out of my way to see a 3D one. I would not see the 2D. And then probably after 15 of these, I was like, I fucking hate 3D movies. <laughs> I don't like this at all. The diminishing returns is is uh, it hits pretty quick. Yeah. I'm older than you guys, and I remember growing up, there was like the monster from the lagoon, and there was Jaws 3D, and there was Piranhas 3D. And this is when I realized that everything is cyclical in life, because in the early 80s, mid-80s, everything was 3D, and you get this 3D glasses, blue lens, red lens. And like Chris, like every movie became 3D, and I was like, I forced myself to think, oh, this is amazing. Technology got way better. Hmm. It really didn't. No. (laughs) And... You know, there's some movie theaters where like, I remember in Toronto, I saw like Mad Max or something and it's 3D and your chair moves. And when something happens, like water or like wind will yeah. blow. They call like, that 4D, right? Yeah. And you know what? That's stupid. And I, I was like, <laughs> I never want to do that again. And it's now gotten to the point where when you could go to movies, my wife and I like going to the movies. We now actively try to find a showing that is not 3D. Because first of yeah. all, I don't want to wear those glasses at all. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really add anything. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. If and when we can go back to movie theaters, Chang, how much higher is the ceiling for food in American movie theaters than it currently is, do you think? Well, it can get better. You have... Um, There's like Alamo Draft House and places like that yeah, where you can order no, and, food. And, but. and the place, the, the, the movie chain where you can recline mm-hmm. and you sort of have that food delivered to you. Yeah. Um, 
But truth be told, it's like, it's hard to just be popcorn and popcorn is pretty much the perfect food for me. I could see pizza, but like the reason why a lot of the other things don't work is it makes too much fucking sound. Mm -hmm. All right. And popcorn, if you eat it with your mouth closed, like you should, it doesn't really make that much sound. Right. So that's why popcorn is like the perfect food Mm -hmm. for movies. Am I wrong in thinking that there was a seminal moment for you in Japan where you saw somebody eating yeah. a boiled no, egg? No, I did. In it? That's when I saw the onsen tamago for the first time. I was watching Formula 51 with the dude from Train Spotting and Samuel L. Jackson in Shinjuku. And she brought out her sukiyaki don mm-hmm. out of a purse. It was not something damn. you bought at God the damn. movie theater. And also, we were like the only two people in the movie theater because it was like a year after... Formula 51 came out, blah, blah, blah. But that's a whole nother story. But no, I mean, when I was younger, it was about getting shit-faced before I went to a movie or getting super high. And now I'm just, I want I want some popcorn. Mm-hmm. And um, my wife introduced me to a move, new move. She puts Reese's peanut butter into the popcorn. Mm-hmm. And I liked that for about three months. And then I realized, I don't want to fucking do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> just like 3D movies. Okay, fair yeah. enough. I also, I believe in the separation of church and state between sweet and savory when it comes to snacks. All right, next question here. If you had one to choose, what would you grow in your garden? You could only grow one thing in your garden. Probably grow marijuana. Marijuana? Okay. (laughs) I I mean, I presume that would be the answer, but uh, Chris Yang reporting Uh, live from the marijuana, marijuana capital of California. Well, you don't need to grow your own here. Um, but my here in Sebastopol, where my mother-in-law has a garden, I think the thing that we use most often and the thing that I have reaped the most benefits from is, is making her grow shiso in our garden. Ooh, that's just like, mm. Yeah, you don't have access to it regularly, and it's nice to have it just on hand. If you could only grow one thing, it's something that like I'd get sick of. The reason I say marijuana or something like that is because you want some benefit where you don't get that sick of it, right? And... Um, mm it was anything else like an herb or whatever i'd be like oh i can't eat that shit anymore so <laughs> you know or, or i'd be like honestly tobacco or something where i'm like it continually gives me joy <laughs> regardless of its state right okay yeah. all Coffee right well, <laughs> well sure. on that on that on that front what's your favorite non psychedelic mushroom fungus that is Ooh. not psychedelic that is not used for drug purposes that's very difficult. It's a good one. It's a very good one. Um, I will tell you the most overrated for me is probably morel mushroom. It can mm. be very good, but it's usually not. And it's you almost never cook properly. I think it's only one preparation is good is not even stuffed. It's braised in butter and that's about it. And it's not even what I love. I think the morel infused butter is what makes it taste delicious. Uh, I mean, I think it's hard to beat a king oyster mushroom. Mm, yeah, pretty damn good. It's very versatile. It lasts. It has a relatively low moisture content, so if it's in your fridge, it's sturdy. There's a lot of things you can do with it. But the problem is, I, it's hard to answer. Because when they're in their peak, like really great chanterelle mushrooms are unbelievable Hen of the Woods, like wild Hen of the Woods are unbelievable. Shiitakes are unbelievable. 
I would probably say anything that is like peak season mushroom, I would use. But for the most part, if you have to get it from the supermarket, I'd probably say king oyster. Hmm. Most yeah. underrated mushroom, button mushroom by far and away. Button mushroom underrated. I feel like I feel we see them less here. You know, porcinis or seps are always super delicious. Fuck, man, you're right. Super, super delicious. Let me take that back. Let me take that back. (laughs) In peak season, porcini mushrooms. Unreal. Uh, Yeah. And and they don't have a lot of fucking the gill structure in it. Very, very good. good. Very, very, very good. Let's do a couple more. Maybe maybe a few more. Um, Garde manger. Overrated or underrated? Underrated. And... uh, most people think of it as a salad station in, in a lot of kitchens, but I think uh, it is the most underrated station. And most people probably think it's overrated if you're working that garbage station. But mm. I say look no further than, say, the great Japanese kitchens, the Kaiseki kitchens, where effectively the, the, the equivalent of Kaiseki is the position of honor. Mm. And I think one of the most important restaurants in the world was Trois Gros, and I believe it was Pierre who sort of revolutionized the Garmanze station. Uh, it was like the position of honor. And truthfully, a lot of the top restaurants today are like the NBA. And so many of the stations are positionless right now. Mm-hmm. You know, if we talk about like Noma, there's no Garmanze station. Like every station is Garmanze. And for whatever reason in American culture, food culture, the past 25 years, the Garmanze station has been relegated as just the salad station. And I think that's a... That doesn't necessarily hold up anymore. Yeah. It's a really goes away with the bro, the broy culture of cooking. It's like, dude, it's me. If you're not cooking on the grill, you're not cooking. And I certainly bought into that. Right. You know, and and I think the reality is when you look at it, oh, you know what the most difficult stations are? Are, are pastry and gourmanger. Mm. Everything else can teach you limited amounts of cooking, but the most amount you can learn is pastry and gourmanger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think when you're working Garmanger, all you want to do is get to the grill station, get to saute stations, just get off of the Garmanger station. But I think you said at one time, Chang, where if you really think about it, you learn the most at Garmanger. And you like to master that station is the hardest. So underrated for me too. Okay, moving on here. Trail mix, overrated or underrated? And plus, design your own trail mix. Trail mix is only good when there's M&Ms in it and chocolate chips. <laughs> so chocolate, underrated, in your and, opinion. And you got to spit out the raisins. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. So trail mix that is like functional trail mix, meaning something that's actually designed to be on a trail is the worst thing you can eat. I remember being very inebriated once and eating trail mix and then looking down and be like, oh, shit, I think I bought bird seed instead of trail mix and being really scared about that. Functional trail mix is, is way overrated, but M&M's, M&M's and little caramel chips, very good. So if you had to design your own trail mix, if you had to concoct uh, your own mix for whatever purposes, for actually, you know, hiking or just for personal enjoyment, what would you put in your trail mix? Besides M&M's, I think that's a given. What's in GORP? What's GORP? What are those, what's that acronym stand for? Let's try to replace all the parts of GORP. I mean, that had its moment in the sun, right? Yeah, what is it? It's an acronym, isn't it? Good old raisins and peanuts. What Ugh. a stupid acronym. Sheesh. I would say I would replace it all with wasabi peas and mm. those little chunks of those little like the the Asian the Asian snack mix. You know what I would re- replace it all with? Chex mix. 
But, but Muddy you have to you have to load it up with the brown sourdough slices things yeah. that are in the Chex mix. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's your favorite part of the Chex mix. Whatever the that is. Cracker. Yeah. And the other thing too, just randomly, <laughs> if you're gonna do about crackers, cheese on wheat, those Toll House cookie things in the packages. If you've never had cheese on wheat, I don't think so. That's no. a thing. That was my golfing snack. That was uh, oh, would, it's a little, it's a little cheese sandwich, cracker yeah, yeah, cheese sandwich. Cheese, Ooh, cheese yeah. on, I remember as a kid we call it chi on we. <laughs> you spoke French. Yeah, I'm suffering from chi on we. Next, all right, let's end it on our recurring question. Every single time we do this, what is the best thing you ate this week? Mm. <sighs> it was not my Thanksgiving dinner. I fucked up Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, yeah. So tell me about your Thanksgiving dinner, Chris. We heard about Dave's. Mm, I don't really want to talk about it. I fucked it up. <laughs> oh, that bad, huh? Yeah. I smoked a turkey after our, our recipe club thing. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I was smoking, I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I? Do- I cooked three turkeys already. Right. I don't want to eat this. My family wanted turkey, so I did it anyway. It did not turn out right. It looked good. Tasted bad. I bet you I know what you did. You didn't let the wood chips burn off first and you got acrid flavor first. No, it, I got decent smoke on it, but I know I fucked that up many, 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 many times. Mm-hmm. I just overdid it. Uh, so did you use, you didn't use one of the recipes from Recipe Club? Basically, I follow, I basically did what Chang did, which was just savory salt it and then smoke it. Yeah, savory salt and smoke it. I just didn't pay attention. And it was smaller than I thought. It, like the turkey was smaller than I, yeah, whatever. Mm. Well, I listen, a smoked it. turkey, I, I think, is the way to go because it's so easy. And if you sort of take the giblets out and take trim it, you're going to have enough turkey to make a turkey broth for gravy. So, no, I, I disagree. I, I think smoked turkey is the way to go. You just. Oh, it is. I, I, it absolutely is. I think smoked turkey is the, 100% the way to go. I just, I just fucked mine up. But earlier in the week, I made a. Biang, biang, bian. I made hand-pulled noodles with my daughter again, Ooh. which is now becoming a recurring thing, and that was pretty fucking good. Does your daughter enjoy cooking with you, or cooking in general? No, my daughter. Not at all? No. No. Okay, you just <laughs> no, forcing her. No, she does. She does. It's child labor. She enjoys, <laughs> no, no, no. She enjoys, like, activities like that. She enjoys, like, you know, hand-pulling the noodles and slapping them against the table. Like, that's really fun for her. Mm-hmm. But mostly she enjoys cooking with her grandma because... Mm. There's a lot of baking that goes on, and there's a lot of sugar snacking, and there's a lot of eating that goes on. Yeah, it's that a lot comes of out of cooking. Right. Yeah, right, a lot right. of eating batter off of things. So. Yeah. No, I I uh, I cooked um, Parks Barbecue for Thanksgiving, but the best thing I had was, again, enjoying the bounty of the San Gabriel Valley, mm. and it's almost fucking impossible to find bad food out here. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. And what I love most about the San Gabriel Valley is almost every restaurant has like two locations, you know, an east side San Gabriel Valley and a west side. Right. Almost all of them. And we ordered from Lunasia the other day. Um, I think I'm pronouncing it right. And we got some Cantonese food and it was outstanding. I'll just leave it at that. From the chow mein to the salted fish chicken fried rice to you uh. choy with... Um, Egg sauce, like again, like I love uh, century egg when it's turned into a sauce. Mm-hmm. So good, and they ran. You know it's good when they run out of char shoe at like five yeah. o'clock. But they had uh, crispy pork belly, and I was like, wow, that is the best I've had in a long time. So, um, man, I'm really 
basically tired of cooking too. I've reached a point. <laughs> I haven't read Helen Rosner's new piece about being oh, depressed yeah. and cooking, but I, I, I didn't read it because you're living it. I'm living it. And, uh, I'm so tired of cooking. <laughs> so so tired of cooking. <laughs> I am too, man. I I I really am too, and I've experienced this earlier in this quarantine. And it's like it's not that I don't love feeding my family, but I wonder if this is the same for you, Chang. Like, I kind of want to cook for other people. <laughs> like, I no, I'm tired of the flavors, people. and I'm like, ugh, I'm just so tired of everything. Like, I I don't even know what to make anymore because everything just tastes like poo. <laughs> You know, every look, I'm like, uh, you know, the it's other like, day, like, I, I like, I don't even know what else to make. Like, it just gives me no joy cooking anything anymore. And just <laughs> tune the, into Recipe Club every week. <laughs> the possibility of buying something, even though it may not be better, it's like, oh, what a what a relief. It's a state of position of privilege, but I'm just sick of cooking and eating my own food, and I don't want anyone else to make it. You know, Grace wants to cook and she does and she's great at cooking, but I don't know. Do you feel the same way, Ying? Yeah, I'm completely exhausted. And it's, you know what, Chang? We just, we, we, we blew it all early, man. I think you and I were both like, we're killing this. We're cooking a different thing every night. We're loving cooking. <laughs> I love cooking at home. And now it's just like, I don't give a shit and I have run out of ideas. <laughs> like, I don't want to do it. I'm with you, man, completely. And I feel like Helen's piece is really about that, where it's like, that is a depressing thought. Mm. Like this thing that gave us so much joy is now gone. You know too. what? You know what I miss? I miss eating white people food. Oh, yeah, we talked okay. about this. I miss. It I'm, too. I'm like, I'm, I've reached my <laughs> my threshold for Asian food, and I'm in the bounty of Asian food. I just can't eat it anymore, and I don't want. Mm. I hate when I cook white people food. It just doesn't yeah, taste too. the same. It's like the, the idea of the hedonistic bump. It's like you have just too much access to stuff, and mm-hmm. and I, I was telling Grace, I was like, man, if we had like Lunasia in our neighborhood in New York, we'd probably order it once a week all the time, but everything's good. It's like all the pho is great. The Thai is great. There's even a couple of good Indian places near us. There, the Chinese food is outrageous. There's just too many options. Even the Korean place around us is great. I don't know why I just miss anything that's not Asian food. And mm-hmm. It's not even like there's great tacos. There's great everything. I've realized I've just maybe I'm depressed <laughs> because nothing. <laughs> maybe it's not the nothing food. Nothing gives me joy anymore. Nothing's yeah. giving me joy. Yeah. Maybe we're all, I think we're all depressed, but like, um, what do you mean when you say white people food? Because I mean, I miss it all too. I miss a like fucking a grilled sandwich. Cheese. I miss like, yeah. Like I a like, chicken fingers. I would eat steak frites right now. <laughs> like, yeah. I would crush that. Like, I don't know like, how to I, make I it, do you know? miss French food, and I do miss Italian food, and I miss... These are things that don't deliver quite well, and also to make certain things that I want from a Western perspective, it's just not how I want to cook at home. Mm-hmm. It's like so much more butter, so much more fat, and different cuts. I'm like, I just don't have that. So, uh, I don't know, man. Like, sometimes I, I just want a patty melt. Mm. I'm not going to make that, but I want one. I, I totally hear you. I just don't have it or, or it just doesn't feel like it's deliverable. You know, I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time explaining it. I'm in a slump being very honest. So I don't know what to do because you, man. you can't just get a, a hamburger every time. It's a state of mind. I think I feel you, man. There's only one cure for this and Moderna and Pfizer yeah. are fucking working on it. You know, <laughs> Yeah. Nothing tastes good to me at all anymore. Mm. 
I feel like it's just heroin. You know, it's like methadone has been working quite well, but I really need fucking heroin. <laughs> That's how it feels like. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Well, I'm in South Korea, as I mentioned in the last podcast, and uh, I've just been eating my mom's cooking, which has been good. But let me tell you something. I love my mom. I love her cooking. I'm not, again, as I said multiple times on this podcast, I'm not a fan of Korean food. I just, I would Jesus commit, Christ. I would commit a handful of crimes to have a good taco right about now. <laughs> I, I really miss Mexican food. I really miss <laughs> Thai food. Like all the stuff that I used to eat, I would eat in Los Angeles. I just, I, I miss that all so much. I mean, so, the grass is always greener, right? The problem, again, the problem with tacos is this, is like, I haven't gone to the taco trucks as much as I want to mm-hmm. because you have to eat it there. Yeah, I mean, it's part of the experience is like eating it on the side of the well, road. Sorry, it's, part of the, it's just only good right there. It's only good. Yeah, when it's fresh and it's piping hot. hot. Yeah, Comal in, in your mouth. I thought, Isaac, you were going to say, the food's great, service sucks. <laughs> just don't like my mom bringing this right to my door. I mean, it, it does suck eating, like, <laughs> just eating it in my room and then I have to, like, take out the plate afterwards. It's not great, but... I mean, and there's nowhere dining out in LA, so... Um, yeah. Although I'm, I'm most definitely going to drop by Tacos 1986 in the Pasadena location. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's let's get off this topic. It's so depressing. <laughs> well, I mean, that was our last question. Do you want to end on a more cheery topic then? Instead, should we add something on top oh, of this? I'm looking at I'm the, I'm looking at Hugo right now, who just busted in. Hey, and uh, hi, buddy. Well, I got to get his lunch ready. Oh my god. Okay, well, let's close this out. You want to you want to just end it? Yeah. Thanks for listening to our rambling conversation of my opinion is fact on the Dave Chang show. Give us five stars. However you rate this podcast and uh, make sure to uh, eat key lime pie. No more pecan, (laughs) no more pumpkin pie. Pecan pie is going to be the holiday pie of choice. And that's what we're going to petition. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.